Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. My name is Allison Graves, and welcome to Coronavirus in Florida, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. This episode was released on Wednesday, April 29th. On this show, we'll talk to experts and reporters, share the facts behind the spread of the virus, and discuss what could happen next. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to play the latest episode of Right Lane, another Tampa Bay Times podcast, which is hosted by Enterprise editor Maria Carrillo and Enterprise reporter Lane DeGregory. On the episode, Maria, Lane, and I discuss how this coronavirus podcast came to be and how other journalists at the Tampa Bay Times are covering the pandemic. Uh, I will note that the show uh, was recorded on Skype, so it may sound a little different, Uh, But nevertheless, uh, we hope you enjoy. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the enterprise editor at the Times. Today's topic, covering the pandemic. We know these are crazy times and we wanna jump in and talk this week and in the coming weeks about covering the coronavirus. Allison Graves, our producer, is joining the conversation. Normally, she listens quietly and tries not to visibly cringe at anything we say, but she's been in the thick of things and took an interesting approach weeks ago. She created an off the news podcast, Coronavirus in Florida, where she's tackled specific topics and had guests join her for Q and A's. This episode will also be featured there. So let's start with that other podcast. Uh, Talk about how that idea evolved, Allison, and what you were trying to do with it. What were your aspirations? So it's interesting. I think it was after we had the first confirmed coronavirus case in Florida, Eli Zhang, who's the director of digital design at the Tampa Bay Times, slacked me and uh, Carolyn Fox and said, hey, what if we did a coronavirus podcast? And The thought hadn't crossed my mind at that point. I was really brainstorming of more general news podcasts at the time. But I remember I said, that sounds really interesting. And that night, I just couldn't stop thinking about the idea. And I came in the next day and I just I just did something. I just got an interview with um, Dr. Mark Yacht, who's a retired doctor who used to work in Pasco County. And I just kind of wrote a top very it was very much inspired by uh, the podcast right lane, how you guys are very quick to kind of just get right into it. So I just did the first one and then people liked it and I just kept going. And it's interesting because 
I think a lot of the times with projects, uh, there's a lot of time to plan and before you actually start doing it. But this was probably the idea was on a Monday and I had the first podcast out on a Wednesday. So it happened really fast, but I'm, I'm glad it did. So you're saying we overthink things too much in a newsroom? <laughs> I, I honestly, you know, I'm not going to say we overthink it, but I'm so glad we didn't overthink this because I think a lot of the times, just from my personal experience, I do overthink it to a point where I might not want to do it because it's not per perfected. And I think that was one big thing with this podcast is um, I just wanted to do it and I wanted to keep putting out content and I'm a perfectionist, but this podcast has really taught me that, you know, maybe don't care as much about being a perfectionist, just get some content out there. And now that I've done it, I feel a lot more confident. Like every episode I do, I feel a lot more confident and I've been finding my way a little bit more on what I want it to be. Um, so it's been a fun process and I've learned so much about podcasting, doing it. I think that's a great lesson for, for just jumping in. And I do think that sometimes we, we overthink and we find reasons to talk ourselves out of doing something. And then we, uh, you know, and then you realize, okay, yeah, we're, we're not the New York times. We don't have you know, a huge production staff ready to jump in. But, um, if you've got people who are smart and willing to do it, um, I, I think it's really a really nice addition to our coverage. I appreciate that. But I definitely, one thing I love, you know, the daily from the New York times, I love NPR's podcast. They have a really awesome, you know, daily coronavirus podcast. And I love listening to those uh, podcasts. But one thing I try to keep in mind is uh, they do have teams that are, you know, five, 10. And I know the daily staff is almost 40 people. So I try to keep that in mind when I produce my podcast too. I, I, I want to do something that I know I can, I can execute. And I think it's easy to get intimidated and say, well, I can't do that. I shouldn't do it. But I think, you know, we've done something that really works for the Tampa Bay times. And uh, I wish I had more people to work on it, but I'm getting something done and I'm, I'm happy with the, the, the kind of where things end with the podcast. I feel like it's either really informative. It either answers a question that I think people have, or lately I've been trying to tell more stories. So I hope to, in the future, really hit the storytelling aspects and, and start to do that a little bit more. And this is just you, right? Are you doing this all on your own, Allison? Yeah. So I come up with the ideas. I write the episodes. I book the guests. I interview them. I, and then I edit and produce them. And then my boss, Josh Gillen, he will, he edits my script and he'll edit my first draft when I've produced everything with the music and gives me feedback. So it is, and we're working remotely. So, you know, I don't talk to my boss on the phone every day. So it is, it does feel like I'm doing it alone, but I consider my sources too, as kind of like, they're kind of going through it with me too, you know, and half of my sources have been reporters at the Tampa Bay Times. So, you know, it's easy to maybe feel alone, but I, I get to interview people almost every day and I get to talk to my colleagues. So it's, it's kind of nice. How many episodes have you done already? So we published, I think 14 now. Wow. So yeah, I'm pretty, I'm almost at the point where I can't remember an episode I did. So that's like my goal to just like start forgetting an episode because I'm <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, like every other day almost, right? 
Yeah, it started every other day. But as we've been trying to do more narrative storytelling, those definitely take a lot longer. So, you know, if you listen to my podcast, you'll more than likely come across a Q&A um, where I just sit down with an expert, usually a doctor, an infectious disease specialist has kind of been the normal source. But, you know, I did this one with our features reporter, Christopher Spada, about these um, two uh, Tampa Bay residents who got coronavirus and had two completely different symptoms. And that was just just so much more work. It was a 45-minute interview with the reporter, an hour-plus audio from the interviews that he did, and then I also had my part, my intro, outro, all of that. So I was looking at about two hours of audio to, to edit down into, you know, 10, 20 minutes. So... The more narrative, the harder, but I, I really love the payoff from those narrative pieces. I, I think you really, I find that you can really um, understand a source when I hear them talk, you know, it's like, that sounds like my dad, I, I, or that sounds like my aunt, or, you know, that sounds like my sister. It really creates an emotion behind the story a lot of the time. And we didn't pay her to say that. That was perfect though. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit. So, Allison's podcast is one of the things that we're doing here at the Tampa Bay Times. And of course, like everybody else, it's it's been crazy these last few weeks and everyone on staff has been diving in. Um, we thought we'd talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that Lane has been working on. Um, right from the get-go, uh, it's all it's been about, you know, how are people reacting to this? How are they, what, what are they doing? So, you know, I, I've sent her in search of toilet paper. Um, she's gone to a bar, of course, which was a happy assignment um, as they were shutting the bar down. So maybe not so happy. Um, you know, Lane's covered a Sunday sermon where there were no parishioners. Uh, she's she's seen seniors at a yoga class before the yoga class was about to shut down. Um, she's gotten uh, a philosopher's guide to the coronavirus. She just finished writing about a 96 year old who runs a liquor store and is still going to work. Um, so uh, it's just been all over the place. Um, we were wanted to talk a little bit about a story we called March Madness, where uh, Lane and Leonora Lapeter Anton went back and tried to capture just the the craziness and and how our lives changed. And so we thought we'd read. Um, if you haven't seen that story, we'd certainly put a link in this podcast. But we thought Lane would read the top and lead us into a little bit of a conversation about. Some of, some of these stories in the time of coronavirus. Yeah, this story, I should just give a shout out to Leonora because this was her idea. We, we sat there brainstorming one night through FaceTime about like, what can we do as enterprise reporters? All of our um, beat reporters and daily reporters and especially the breaking news reporters have been so overworked and amazing about providing daily updates of, of number of tests given out, number of uh, diagnosed cases, number of deaths. And we said, God, everything's happening so fast. Like, can you believe the bars only closed a week ago? And a week before that, we were all playing on the beach. And so Leonora came up with this idea of like, let's do a timeline. Let's start with March 1st, which was the first date that um, a, a virus, a coronavirus victim was diagnosed in Florida. And we just did a day by day. She and I kept a tally from the newspaper, from other news sources, from the Slack channel on our work about all the things that were changing and made this giant, like a 30 page timeline of the 30 days of March. Um, and so this is how we tried. We wanted to sum it up into one big narrative that would explain how how everything was falling out. Um, so this is the beginning. In those last days before everything changed, spring breakers had begun blanketing the beaches. 
Baseball was back in swing, and snowbirds partied on packed cruise ships. The sky above Tampa Bay was clear and blue, the salty air room temperature. Balmy breezes rustled the palm trees. A convenience store manager in Gulfport ran low on sodas and snacks, blaming it on all those college students. A bar owner in St. Petersburg hosted a live band and sold 375 beers to the crowd on the outdoor patio. In Tampa, a senior at the University of South Florida planned a graduation party with her fiance. At Hollywood Studios in Orlando, an Ohio mother squirted sanitizer into her daughter's hands as they waited in line for the Slinky Dog Dash roller coaster. In Tallahassee, an ER doctor working as a legislator wrapped up his last meeting of the House Health and Human Services Committee. In Fort Myers, a business owner took her 82-year-old mother to brunch at a crowded country club. Few could have imagined that soon we all would be quarantined, schooling our kids at home, scared to visit our elderly parents, laughed out of bars and restaurants, left wondering how many people were going to die. It all happened in a month. Uh, and from there, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, oh, we can't call it a TikTok. I'm sorry, because TikTok is, is, is used by other people now. But um, it, it, yeah, it just kind of broke down and reminded you as a reader how many you know, how life has really changed and how quickly it came about. Um, we brainstormed about what characters would we need, you know, and I think we came up with 20 of them and we narrowed it down to about 10. So we revisit those people back through the month, a, a tattoo artist, a police officer, a hairdresser, a bar owner, you know, so it, it, we do come back to them, but they're all these little kind of vignettes throughout the month. When you started uh, doing this, did you have a method to try to keep track of everything that was happening or did it just kind of happen as it went? Well, Leonora and I kind of split up the month. So I think we started working on this about March 15th or 16th, right when they said they were gonna show the bar, uh, close the bars and restaurants. And so she said, I'll work backward and you work forward. So she did the first two uh, weeks of March and I did the second two weeks of March. And we basically, like I said, we just scoured every news source we could find, mostly our Slack channel, yeah. you know, about what people were posting on their own beats. We reached out to the other reporters. It was kind of a group project. You know, we had sports reporters sending us stuff about when the lightning and the rays shut down. We had um, business reporters sending us stuff, health reporters. So everybody kind of helped and sent us little feeds. And then she and I pulled the characters out of that. Um, and went back and interviewed them. But yeah, we were just keeping a running Google Doc that other people were adding on to too. Lane, what's been the what's been the takeaway or the, what are some thoughts on on what this has been like for you uh, trying to report? I mean, you've done you've been reporting during a lot of different situations, but never a pandemic. No, and I think, you know, the hardest part for me is not being able to see people. And even when I get out there, I mean, my husband and my kid have been fussing at me for going out to still do stories. But even when I go out and I can't see people's faces because they're wearing masks, you know, or I can't hug them or, or shake their hands. It's been really, really, really weird for such a, you know, I love to embed and, and be in people's lives. And that's been really difficult for me to do. But I think the hardest part is, is like trying to veer from like the minutia of, oh shit, we're out of toilet paper to, oh my God, the whole world is on a pause right now. Like I'm having a real hard time jumping gears between really small moments and uh, important, but, but tiny things versus the big giant epic of what the heck is going on here. You know, I, I'm, and I'm spun my wheels a lot. I have to be, to be honest, you know, I think one of the things we've been missing in our coverage is 
front lines of healthcare workers, you know, the guys who run the emergency rooms, the young nurses. And I've tried at least a half a dozen different ideas and at least that many institutions for each idea. And we can't get in. It's been it's been really, really frustrating to not be able to tell those sort of frontline stories that I think we should. Yeah, we just we have a story on this weekend um, uh, about local nurses who have ended up working in New York, and we got better access from them than we have um, here. It's been more difficult. As news organizations, we think about or talk about ahead of time next time to partner with Smitty's hospitals and healthcare centers and say, how, how can we get first-person accounts of this? You know, yeah. I, I'm sure they can't do it in the crunch, you know, the crunch of everything going on. They don't have time, but it might be something down the line we try to work out. You guys want to talk? Uh, do we talk a little bit about um, the video that Jennifer put together on the March Madness? Well, yeah. So Jennifer Glenfield, one of our for our video producers, she did this awesome video, kind of summarizing the last thirty days in Tampa Bay. But it was very positive and just just a really fun thing to watch. But I think what I think is so interesting about that is how she was able to capture all of that time in a video. And I mean, Lane, you guys did the same thing with your March Madness story, of course, but it's interesting because uh, with our video team, we have Jennifer who did that great video summarizing 30 days of time. And then we have James Borchuk, who's another video editor. And he does these, he's been doing these videos inside nursing homes and they're, they're quick, you know, under a minute videos that kind of just go through some of the sites and scenes at the nursing home, but they're very powerful and they just complement the coverage so well. I know when we had that discussion about multimedia, um, one thing we talked about a lot is how it's a, it's a, one of the big challenges is trying to get your multimedia components to really complement the work you're doing and not just repeat it. And I feel like the video Jennifer did and I feel like Borchuk's video, they just really complement the reporting that we're doing. So it's just super awesome to work at a place where all of these things just come together and it's just such a nice package of information. It's been real gratifying to see how well we can work together when we're not together. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I think that video, uh, Jennifer and Easy talked to me and Leonora about it while we were working on our timeline. And initially we thought, well, is this going to overlap? Are they just going to visualize what we're writing? But like you said, it took it took a different turn. We fed them feeds and they fed us feeds, but theirs had such more of a like, positive things to hook onto that people are doing where ours was kind of like, oh my God, the world's about to end, you know? So even though we had the same kind of idea and the same kind of materials, it was interesting to see what rose up uh, in those two different presentations. Um, I wanted to get us talking a little bit. I mean, I, we talked a little bit about how crazy this last few weeks have been, of course. Um, and Lane and I have the luxury of having some time uh, away from the fire hose of daily news to to think about enterprise ideas, but um, we've been applying the same things during this pandemic that we do, you know, week in and week out and sort of thinking about who might be affected by certain news, you know, who, where are the emotional touch points about what's happening here? Um, so I've just mentioned that as, a, as, as I think that's a good way to be thinking about how to find ideas during all of this and ideas that maybe I think a lot of times we report from a sort of a 3,000 foot level and, you know, in case in point, all these all these statistics that are coming at you about people who have passed away and you need, then you got to think about not only all those families, but all the people who have to deal with that. What does that look like? Who are they? 
um, from a religious viewpoint, from a from a funeral home point of view, families, everything. So um, that's that's part of our process, and I think it's always a good thing to sort of step back and keep thinking about who's affected by what's happening. Yes, yeah, stakeholders. I mean, that's definitely something Leonora and I talked about, but it's also something I've been thinking about in terms of whose voices haven't we heard from? You know, we we had a lot of those survey stories about teachers are saying, and then we interviewed 10 teachers and restaurant workers are saying, and we interviewed 10 restaurant workers. But I think the ones where we can find sort of different stakeholders, like I did one on philosophers, like what is the meaning of life in this coronavirus? And that just came from talking to my sister, who's a philosophy professor. So kind of this, this story is like, it's so unwieldy because every single person is affected, you know, from you could, you could throw a, a pebble out and any person it hit, you could have a story from. So it's, it's been a challenge to try to figure out who haven't we heard from and who do we still need to hear, hear from. We've had, uh, it's, it's obviously been a challenge in organizing all of this. And I, you know, uh, nobody would say we've managed everything perfectly at all because it, it, it just, it was, it was, it's been unwieldy. It's still unwieldy. Um, there's a thousand ideas. I'm, I'm really proud of the newsroom and the way that it's come together. And um, I, like Lane said, it's been amazing to see how we can work together, even when we're all working from home and from different locations. Um, we've had, uh, as I know this is true in other places too, but we've had sports reporters who are now doing news stories because of course sports came to a halt. And we've had uh, Metro reporters who are now working in business because there's so much business news to cover. Uh, people are doing things out of their comfort zone, but uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a really amazing effort. And I, I know that's happening across the country. It's also been interesting trying to figure out all these platforms. I'm sure everybody else is going through this too, but I think we've, we've been on like 10 different platforms <laughs> trying to see each other's faces and organizing conferences and meetings. And uh, it's definitely made you appreciate uh, the speed with which all of this is unfolding. Lane is happily trapped with one of her sons and <laughs> another 20 something. So she has, um, uh, she's getting IT support right at home, which is good. Thank God. I just told them they can't move out until after I get to go back to the office because I can't work this stuff on my own. <laughs> so um, next week we will we'll, we're going to talk uh, specifically about you know this, the kinds of stories that uh, are a little more uplifting because we've leaned into that as well of, to try to balance everything we're doing. But um, if you have a question for Lane or want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to Write Lane at tampabay.com, that's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com, or find us on our Facebook group. Join us next week, Wednesday morning, for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Alison Graves. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 